Hey everyone, we continue our read through of the New Testament. Today we are in John chapter 18. Here the passion begins as Christ's time in Gethsemane draws to an end with his betrayal, arrest, his being brought to the high priest and questioned, falsely accused, and ultimately brought before Pilate. And it is there that the chapter will end. Let's read it and we'll kind of discuss it in sections. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some Pharisees from the chief priest, and the Pharisees went there with lanterns and torches and weapons, then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. And when Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken of those whom you gave me. I have lost not one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. So let's stop right here. So here we see the moment where Christ has been betrayed. He has gathered his disciples there at the brook Kadron, very well-known brook uh, in the, the Bible. It's the place where Elijah was provided for by the ravens and cared for after he fled from Jezebel. And nevertheless, the Lord is here now, perhaps himself seeking comfort for the realities of what he is about to face and Judas, knowing that this is where Christ often gathered, he brings the, the priest and their officers with him and the soldiers in order to get Jesus and to arrest him. And as Jesus sees these men coming, notice what Christ does. It says that he is the one who steps forward to make known who it is. And, and we're told that the reason that he does this is because it was so that the, it would be fulfilled that of those whom you gave me, I have lost not one, going back to his high priestly prayer. And so in other words, Jesus steps forward in order to ensure that none of his disciples are put to death, to ensure that their purposes, that they are kept and protected for the purpose of the mission that they will accomplish afterwards. Now, we all know that, that they will all eventually die for their faith, but nevertheless, this is not the time. Christ will go and die for them first. So already, look at the way in which he is standing and coming as a substitute. Let these men go. Take me. Right? That is the most beautiful picture because all of this is making very clear that Christ will be the substitute. Christ is put him, putting himself forward as the substitute, as the sacrifice, so that his disciples might be covered and in order that they might accomplish the purposes that he has for them in light of his death 
and the imputation of his righteousness for them. So here Christ puts himself as a substitute to ensure that they are protected. But Peter, totally not catching the cue, pulls out a sword and whacks off Malchus's ear and ultimately Jesus rebukes him and says, listen, you clearly don't understand that this is not what my will is. My will is not to fight them. It's not to raise up a sword and to take them out, but it is to go and die. That is my Father's will. That is the cup that has been given me. And so once again, just like Peter had said earlier, you will not surely die. Remember, Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. Once again, Satan is influencing Peter without Peter realizing in all of his zealousness to defend his Lord, to fight and to ensure that he doesn't go to Calvary. But Jesus says, no, you, you've misunderstood. This is what I must do. So we're told that he is arrested, he is bound, and he is taken to Caiaphas, uh, taken to Anna, excuse me, uh, who is the father-in-law of the high priest Caiaphas. So now we continue. Verse 15, Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest, but Peter stood outside of the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, You also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and, and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, if, I, if what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now, Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, so they said to him, You also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it. And once at once the rooster crowed. Let's stop there. Okay. So here we see Christ. He has been brought to the house of Annas. Right? He is being questioned. There he is being falsely accused. And he makes it very clear. I, I've said nothing in secret. Jesus was no Gnostic. There was no secret knowledge. Everything he proclaimed was open and outward. You can ask anyone what I taught. I've been teaching in the temples. I've been teaching in the synagogues. Why do you act as if you don't know what I'm teaching? Why do you act as if I have not been clear all along of what I've said? You know what I've said. And so basically, in other words, what do you have to accuse me? Is what I said truthful or not? And if it's not, show me where I'm wrong. Show me how my teaching is false. But they don't want any part of this. They've only succumbed to falsely accuse him, to arrest him, and to ensure his demise and death. And so they have no issue. But in the midst of this questioning, there's a second story happening, and that is 
with the Apostle Peter. We see Peter has been brought in to the, to the courtyard by another one of the disciples who the, the high priest in them had known. Now, we're not given the name of this, high, this disciple. Perhaps this is just another disciple that we aren't aware of by name. Perhaps this is Nicodemus who would have had clear access at this point. Um, we're, we're not sure. But nevertheless, Simon Peter is brought in and he is already first a servant girl recognizes him. He says, hey, aren't you one of the man's disciples? And he says, no, nope, I, I'm not. And then Peter continues to stand there, and, and next someone else notices him and, and says, hey, aren't, you surely are one of his disciples. And once again, he said, I'm not. Finally, one of the servants of the high priest, a, a relative of the one who Peter cut his ear off, says, hey, didn't I see you in the garden with him? And finally, a third time, Peter denied it. And immediately, the rooster crowed. Oh, can you imagine? Can you imagine what that was like? Can you imagine what immediately Peter felt when he heard the crow of the rooster? Likely, we see this reality of him totally knowing exactly in that moment. Other gospel accounts have it that he went away weeping. What a heartbroken reality to feel that moment of denial. And yet how many of us have also denied Him over and over again. But praise be to God that the Lord in His mercy and forgiveness would restore Peter and Peter would never again look back. You may have denied Christ many a times, but if you've been restored by Him in amazing grace and mercy, then follow Peter. Don't ever look back. Then they led Jesus from the house of the Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. Yeah, that's the thing that's, that's defiling them, not going into Pilate's home. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? And they answered him, if this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Well, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So if they would have killed him, they would not have crucified him, right? There would have been a countless other ways. They, they, they would have stoned him to death. But he had to hang on a cross. Why? Because anyone who hangs on the cross bears a curse. And that is the reality of what the cross would symbolize, is that Christ has to bear the curse of sinners. And so the, everything is being worked out perfectly. He has to die at the hands of the Romans overwhelmingly so that he can die on the cross and thus bear the curse of those who he would die in their place. Notice the, the way in which they... Totally don't answer Pilate at all. Wait, what's he done? Hey, well, if he hasn't done, if he did something wrong, that's the reason he's here. If he hadn't done anything bad, we would have never brought him to you. They, they don't have an answer. They know he's done nothing wrong. They just want him dead. Verse 33. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to, about, to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priest have delivered you over to me. What have you done? 
Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? After he said this, he went back outside of the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This interaction with Pilate is one of the most important in the gospel accounts. Here we see Pilate ask Jesus straight up, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus is wanting to know, do you want to know? Is, is this merely you just trying to hear what else is going on and just trying to solve this Jewish issue you got going on? Or are you genuinely interested in knowing the truth? Jesus makes clear, my kingdom's not of this world. I'm not a king like you. I'm not a king like Caesar. I'm not a king like any of them. My kingdom is otherworldly. My kingdom is greater than a, a fleshly, physical kingdom. My kingdom will span every tribe, tongue, and nation. My kingdom will stretch all over the earth. My kingdom will unite heaven and earth as one. That's Christ's kingdom. Far greater than merely ruling over a strip of land, this king is not a king who takes, takes uh, ground through sword. He doesn't take captives by slavery. No. He wields the sword of the Spirit and gathers not slaves into his fold, but willing servants whose hearts have been transformed and changed by him and who want nothing more than to know and to follow their king. For this purpose he was born. For that purpose he came into the world, to bear witness of the truth. He is the truth. And everyone who is of the truth listens to his voice. In other words, the only way you can hear Christ is if you're of the truth. And how can you be of the truth? You must have received the spirit of truth. No one can receive the truth without the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth must indwell you for you to properly receive the truth and to believe it and to behold it. Without the spirit of truth, you cannot hear the voice of the shepherd. Pilate said to him, what is truth? What is truth? The most important question of all. What is truth? And Jesus had made clear already, not to Pilate, but to his disciples and to all who read his word, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the truth. The truth was not a proposition. The truth was a person.
and Pilate's inability to see it shows that he had been blinded from seeing. But that blindness was for a purpose. Christ had to go to the cross in order to wear the crown. Pilate, trying to do the best he can to maintain a semblance of integrity, knowing this man's done nothing wrong, knows that he has a custom by which there can be a prisoner exchange. Surely the people will accept this man. It's a good man. He's a good teacher. He's done nothing wrong. But instead of crying for Christ and his release, they cry out, not this man, but Barabbas, a robber. Christ would be exchanged and go and die in the place of a murderer and a robber. A sinner was set free because Christ would be his substitute. And this little picture of this exchange that we see between Christ and a sinner is precisely the picture of what will happen on Golgotha when Christ will die in the place of sinners, drinking the full cup of the wrath they deserved in order that they might be free. For freedom, Christ has set you free, Paul says in Galatians 5. What a substitute. What a sacrifice. What a savior. He is the truth. Hear his voice, the one who died for you. God bless.